catch my wounded wings so that I might rise above. For I've been taking my sorrow down, rolling over to nowhere town. Till you came along, till you came along. That's Ron Sexsmith with Worried Song from his latest album, 2017's The Last Rider. One of Canada's greatest songwriters, Ron Sexsmith has released 15 full-length albums since his debut Grand Opera Lane in 1991. And after the release of his grown-up fairy tale Dear Life in 2017, he's now also a published author. Very much the songwriter's songwriter, Ron Sexsmith will be appearing at the Roots North Music Festival, which takes place across downtown Orillia on Friday, April the 26th, and Saturday, April the 27th. Ron will be sharing the Friday night main stage with Rose Cousins and Ariana Gillis. It promises to be a fabulous night of live music. We're pleased to welcome Ron Sexsmith to Folk Roots Radio. It's great to have you join us today. Oh, thanks. I'm going to start off by saying, I have to say, I love following you on Twitter. I'm going to get that out there now because uh, your puns are a regular part of my day. Wow. You know, I've been trying to quit, actually, and then I'll think of some more stupid things, and I'll say, oh, damn, and I'll go back. And I'll, you know, I, I've I've always been a fan of, the, you know, Jack Benny and those type of people. So I, the sort of dad dad joke humor and uh, and people... Yeah, people seem to like them. I don't really get it myself. But 
Well, I, I think it's one of the things that appeals to me is the fact that we know it's you. You know, <laughs> that it's, it's not well, someone it's, sitting in your publicist's office putting stuff out. Well, for years, you know, I used to get labeled as this real sad sack guy or that melancholy, which was never accurate. And the documentary, I think, did, a, 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 I think, you know, it sort of cemented that image a bit, which sort of bothered me about it. But, you know, it's my whole band and I, we spend all the time touring, laughing our heads off about something, you know. So I thought it was a way for me to combat, you know, that sort of image on Twitter. Because I'm, I'm thinking of ridiculous things all the time. And now I have an outlet for it, you know. Well, I, I think with, the, you know, we'll talk a little bit about your songwriting in a few moments, but I think just the fact that uh, it's just an extension, it, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the book a little later as well. It's just um, one of the things that social media can do really well is help you get to know people. Yeah. You know, and it's just, a, it's another form of writing. It's like wordplay, you know, and it's, it's an ex it's sort of a brain exercise that, you know, I've had songs where with you know, humorous songs with puns in them too, you know. I, it's sort of a, with a, with songwriting, it's like a, a balance though, right? Because you don't want to be Mr. Irony all the time. Otherwise, when you try to do something serious and people go, oh, wait a minute, you know, I thought you were that funny guy a minute ago or something. But, but I do like, I, you know, I've always been drawn to songwriters who were the full spectrum, you know, of humor and they could write something sad or something angry or whatever. So, that's what I all have all I've ever tried to do, and I think that certainly comes through in your songwriting. I know uh, on the last album, um, mm. the last writer, we started off with the worried song, a worried song from that album. Right. Um, but you know, you you like to mix it up, and I, I think that's a lot of what fans like myself love about the way you write is that um, you're playful. You know, you you like to do lots of different things. You know, on an album. Yeah, I mean, also it just for my own head, you know, I don't want to be in the same place. Like, I get it. Like, there, there's these great albums that people have made that are sort of cohesive, you know, they, they maybe they're all slow songs or something. Um, you know, and I've done that a little bit, but I, but I like to hear the full range of, of emotions, and especially in a concert, too. You know, I want to have some dynamics, and, you know, and you sort of feel it out, these st strategic moments where, okay, I've done a few up-tempo numbers, now I'm going to do something more kind of um, sweet or something. So um, I think it just makes for a, a more enjoyable evening, I think. So you are coming to the fifth annual Roots North Music Festival in Aurelia. You will be heading the Friday evening, which will be April the 26th. Tell us a little bit about what people can expect when they come to that show. Um, well, I'm doing... Uh, it's a solo show. It's the third of uh, this little mini solo tour that I'm doing. Um, and it's, I'm pretty excited because I haven't really played since... I'm trying to think. The last show I did was, I think, last October, and that was a band show. So, um, yeah, so this month I've just been going through my songs and figuring out what people might want to hear. Um, you know, but it's, it's, it'll basically just be me. And if there's a piano, I'll play some piano. But I'll, I'll be mostly on guitar. And just trying to play songs from, you know, all my records if possible. And and there's usually, you know, four or five is you know that you're kind of expected to play uh, the sort of the more known ones. But after that, it's sort of a free for all. Um, but I've just been spending all my time at home just running through songs and just trying to get back in shape, really, because I've if you don't do it for a while, you get a bit rusty. So I want to be in. 
you know, I want to be presentable when I when I walk out on stage, you know. Well, after all the songs that you've written, I, I read somewhere that you... Have you written somewhere like a 300 or 400 songs in your career so far? I would say so. Um, I've never actually stopped to to count them. But you figure 15 albums, and every album's got about 12 to 15 songs on it, plus the ones that didn't make it on, and, and the other ones. Like, I've co-written quite a bit for other people. And so... Uh, I would. It's it's got to at least be in the three hundreds. I would imagine. And I don't think. Have you ever produced a, a best of album yet? I mean, I I don't know if I saw one. Have no, it's just hard because when you're not a big. Uh, I've never been a guy who sold a lot of records, so there's not a lot of incentive from labels to do something like that. Like, or at least as much as there used to be. I, I when I turned fifty a few years ago, um, the. You know, the, the the few years leading up to that, I was trying to get my management and the labels uh, into the idea of maybe doing like a, you know, a two CD, 25 songs on each CD kind of thing, you know, like a retrospective. And I just couldn't get anywhere with it. Um, so maybe that's something will happen, you know, down the road. Um, there's been talk about releasing some of my early records on vinyl, um, which which would be nice, I think. Well, I know that there's been lots of talk over the years about the the fact that I don't, I can't remember who had actually said that you were born in the at the wrong time or something. You probably <laughs> you probably know who that comes from, but I know a lot of uh, other yeah. musicians really look up to what you produced. Uh, I think I think it was Elvis Costello who said that actually. Yeah, I think it and might he, have been. He thought I was born like maybe if I'd been out in the seventies, I would have had more success. And because you know when I came out in the nineties. Uh, it was certainly not very fashionable what I was doing, you know, because at that time, right, everyone was sort of singing with these kind of Pearl Jam type voices, and I didn't really know how to do that. And um, and also that was the time of Lilith Fair, where, you know, if you were a, a male songwriter, um, I mean, radio really wasn't playing you. Um, so, uh, but I'm, a, you know, I've survived. I'm just very grateful that I was able to build a following and. You know, and it seems to be uh, growing. You know, the, the longer I hang hang around, so I don't know. I, I think everybody's career is going to be different, but it's it's always like this roller coaster ride. You know, there's there's certain albums that I've done have done quite well for me, um, but sometimes you make a record and nobody knows you even have a record out. You know. <laughs> well, and and certainly with the, all of the changes we've been experiencing in the music industry, obviously with streaming becoming such a big thing. At the same time, I can imagine that, you know, Ron, Ron Sexsmith's streams must do quite well, don't they? You know, you can put Ron Sexsmith on all day. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, because I'm a bit of a Luddite, you know, I don't have a cell phone, I've never been to Spotify or anything. I mean, I know that I have songs on there and albums on there and, and that I get on people's playlists and this and that. I don't really know what that, how that translates for me into money or whatever, but I, it's for me, it's always been about, you just want people to hear the music. I mean, yeah, I mean, I want to make a living. I'm, I don't want to just give it away for free. But it's it's uh, obviously a new reality that we're all dealing with. Nobody's quite come up with the right business model for it. But for me, I, I would rather people hear my music for free than not at all, <laughs> you know. But, but, I, I, uh, but I do feel... I do feel it is growing, and generally my audience uh, 
tends to buy my records, uh, you know, the ones who are into it, or, the, or you know, or the CDs or whatever. So, but I, I'm pretty kind of I'm a bit of a dinosaur when it comes to the sort of all the new new ways of hearing music. So we started off with the worried song. Can you tell us a little bit about writing that one? Yeah, that was what I call a front porch song. Um, when I lived in Toronto, I used to be on my front porch, uh, just sort of picking away and um, singing, mostly singing other people's songs. And uh, but that song, you know, for the longest time, the only lyrics I had were um, singing my worried song. I didn't have any other words, and it was just this melody that I couldn't get out of my head. I kept walking around thinking about it, and I, I knew that I would finish it eventually. But I think it took me about uh, a year before I finally had all the words in, in place. But yeah, it's just one of those sort of finger-picking songs that I find myself going back to. I think almost every album I've made has at least one of those sort of kind of front porch songs. Um, I think it was... Uh, I was also a little bit inspired by, um, you know, the song Can't Find My Way Home by Blind Faith. Right, you know? right. I love, always love, well, I love Stevie Winwood's voice, and I just love just the feeling of, of that song. Um, um, although it didn't really turn out that way, it sort of turned out more like kind of, you know, like one of the Beatles songs from the White Album or something like that. But, um, but yeah, it was just one of those songs that I just, I had this feeling, you know, and, uh, and it was just a matter of, you know, figuring out what I was worried about. And, um, because for the longest time, I just, you know, I would just sing it to myself, and it felt kind of comforting, um, even without words, you know. Well, it's kind of interesting you say that, because I think you have the obviously the same thing we do. You know, we get a Ron Sexsmith lyric in our heads, and a little bit of melody, and we'll walk around all day singing it, you know. Oh, no, I see, I, don't, I wouldn't know that, but if, I, I'm like that with other people's songs. And, and when I'm in writing mode, like I'm working on a new record right now, um, all I'm doing, all I'm thinking about is the new songs and just going over them and, you know, getting more inside them in a way. So do you um, start with the melody and then, you know, work a lyric that goes or do they both come at the same time for you? Um, well, it's every song is different. I mean, Worried songs started mostly with the melody, but there's other songs uh, like Man at the Gate, uh, which, you, uh, you know, which kind of started with the, with the lyric with, with no melody. So it just depends on what it is, but it's usually a bit of both. Like sometimes I'll get a whole verse with a melody, and then I'm, that's all I'll have for like five months or something. And I'll walk around town thinking about what the second verse might be, or, or sometimes all you have is a chorus, you know, and you gotta work backwards and figure out what the verse is. So it's, but it's basically what it, what happens is you get this tiny little burst of inspiration. And that comes from wherever, and it, and it could be really small, and then it just leaves you. It's like, you know, when they, you know, they leave an orphan on your doorstep or something, and then you sort of, uh, you have to bring it up, right? That's when the sort of, uh, if the craft of it comes in, and whatever I've learned from all my years of writing songs, I have to rely on that, you know, to to finish it and and just see it through. It's interesting you should have brought up Man at the Gate because that was my favorite song from The Last Rider when I first listened to it. And oh. I don't know if it's the fact that you're singing about a photograph, but then learning that this song also uh, meant a lot to you because I think 
it was based around the the part of Toronto you were living in. Is that right? Yeah, I, we were in uh, the last sixteen years uh, in Toronto. I was in a place called Trinity Bellwoods, and uh, beautiful Trinity Bellwoods Park with this old old gate that's really sort of imposing. And um, you know, years before I made the Last Rider, my wife had bought me this a postcard of of Trinity Bellwoods Gate from 1913. And it was just on my piano all the time. And I was just, so you know, I'd be playing and working on whatever records I was working on. But I'd always be looking at this picture. And one day while I was looking at it, I noticed there was a man in the photo that I hadn't seen before that just happened to be walking by the gate when the photo was taken. And I just, you know, that's the kind of, you know, when you're a songwriter, that's the kind of stuff you fixate on, right? You think... This beautiful shot of a park and a skate, but I'm thinking, well, who's that guy and what's he doing there? And so it just got me thinking about the man at the gate, and I wrote the whole song. But it, you know, it didn't make it on my um, the previous album for some reason. But around the time we were doing Last Rider, it was when my wife and I started talking about moving out of the city, and I started the song became a lot more personal for me because I realized that that's kind of like me a hundred years later, you know, like there was, you know, once upon a time I was at the man at the gate. I would walk by there every day, you know, maybe I'm in somebody's photo somewhere, you know? So, um, it just became this sort of full circle thing. And the song took on a extra depth for me. It's interesting because that, uh, that song, I I don't know if you know the Scottish band Deacon blue, uh, Glasgow, But on their wonderful uh, Raintown album, they had a song called He Looks Like Spencer Tracy Now, oh. which is another song about a uh, a photograph. I think it was about the development of the atomic bomb and what right. it must have felt like for you know the people involved. But it was that whole idea of looking into the photograph I find really fascinating. Yeah, and I, I think it's something, uh, you know, again, like growing up with people like the Beatles and all that, I mean, as a kid hearing that stuff on the radio, they would sing, it wasn't all like, I want your body or love, you know, <laughs> it was interesting subject matter, very thought-provoking things, right? You, like Eleanor Rigby or something, like, you're like, whoa, you know, just put all these images in your head, or Ray Davies singing about Waterloo Sunset or something, right? It's just like, it's poetry, and I've always been drawn to people, I like love songs too and all that, but I was just, I've always drawn to, you know, what, do you, what does the person have to say, or or what... What is he bringing to it that I haven't maybe heard before? And um, so I, I like when I find myself writing a, a song, which was, you know, again, kind of came out of left field in a way for me. It just feels like like it was meant to be or something. Let's play that song just now. This is Ron Sexsmith with The Man at the Gate, 1913. And that's from his wonderful 2017 album, The Last Rider. And you're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall. The man at the gate seems to be waiting for someone or something to enter the scene. The man at the gate appears in the distance to prove his existence in 1913 
Ron Sexsmith with The Man at the Gate, 1913, from his wonderful album, The Last Rider, which came out in 2017. Ron Sexsmith's our special guest on Folk Roots Radio today. He'll be appearing at the Roots North Music Festival, which takes place across downtown Orillia on Friday, April the 26th, and Saturday, April the 27th. And Ron will be headlining the main stage on the Friday evening with Rose Cousins and Ariana Gillis. We're talking about leaving Toronto and moving to Stratford. Now, you've moved into a a much smaller town. I mean, obviously, from a huge city to a smaller town. Tell us about living in Stratford. How does it work out for you? Um, well, we're loving it. I never owned a house before, so that was kind of a big step for me. Um, and, I'll, and I have to kind of credit my wife for all this because she's sort of the brains of the operation, you know. <laughs> she took care of all the real estate stuff and all that. And and she was sort of working on it for years. Actually, I was very uh, res- I was resisting it because all my friends are in Toronto and my kids are in Toronto. But I, I'm so glad we got out when we did. You know, I just feel like we were so lucky finding a place that we could afford. And the town is great. You know, I mean, it's just when I walk to town now, I feel like Huckleberry Finn or something. You know, I'm walking along the river and there's swans and things. It's it's just a you know for my time of life I'm 55 now it just feels like the right the right place to have ended up um, and I'm also you know it's a theater town and I'm working on a musical now so it seems to be 
you know the, the right place for that if it ever happened so um and we're making some new friends and there's all these spontaneous parties that keep springing up which um i didn't really expect you know so and and also we have a house where our friends from toronto can come visit us because we have guest rooms and so it's, it's been a really a really good thing uh, i've just felt this enormous stress cloud evaporate you know <laughs> over my head that which i felt the last few years i was in toronto well certainly there's so much culture in stratford and obviously you've got the you know the festival scene uh, yeah you published Dear Life, which is your grown-up fairy tale in 2017. And I think that is going to become the musical. Is that right? It is, yeah. Dear Life, the musical. Um, we did a, last August, we did a recital of the musical um, as part of Stratford Music Fest. And we had um, this orchestra, we had a children's choir, and, and there was an actor narrating it and also... Um, this, uh, Barb, Barb Fulton, who's in Come From Away, he sang all the female parts. So it, it it turned out amazingly well, and with only three rehearsals. And so we got sort of a buzz going for for it, and, and now the Stratford Fest is, you know, wants to help me develop it. So so that's right. Right now we're in the process of, you know, finding people that I can write a stage adaptation with and. So if with any luck, it, maybe five years or so down the road, maybe it'll actually make it, make it to the stage. You know, we'll see. And the the fact that you presented it as part of their summer music series last year is the plan to do something similar this year in Stratford. Um, I just don't want to so overdo it here. You know, because um, the first year I moved to Stratford, we were still touring uh, the Last Rider. In fact, the last show of that tour was in Stratford in August of. Uh, 2017. So I'm just reluctant to keep showing up, and then after a while they just like, oh, here it comes Ron again. I mean, I'm, I really hope that we can, and maybe not this year, but when it when it's further along, like maybe put on another sort of you know run through of it, so people can hear it because I'm pretty excited about the songs and uh, and just for me the idea that maybe one day I could sit in the audience and watch it all happen is is pretty. It's something to work toward, you know, and because uh, I think it's it's it could be a really nice family musical that kids that people could bring their kids and everything like that. So, yeah. So anyway, we were in the very early stages of it, and but I'm meeting all the right people, and there's there seems to be a, a enthusiasm for it. So I don't know. I just hope I don't uh, jinx it somehow. And with all your back catalogue, has there ever been any discussion about looking at that? I mean, I I still think the um, best of album should have happened. I know that, mm-hmm. you know, things have moved on, you know, probably 10, 15 years ago, it would have been a no-brainer be, to be doing something like that. But I, yeah. I just wonder, could there be a musical out of all of the songs you've written? Because they don't all have to be sung by your voice. I know we've people like yeah. Laurie Cullen have sung your songs. Oh, no, I would love it if that, you know, the, a lot of... Uh, People like Billy Joel or whatever, they do these songbook musicals, right? Like Carole King has got one now and stuff. The only difference between them and me is that they've all, they've all had hits, you know? So, so people go to these musicals and they know every song. I mean, obviously people who know my music would know the songs. but So I just don't know if there would be much uh, incentive from investors or whatever for, their, for that sort of thing to happen. I, I did think about doing like a... I was watching the Bruce Springsteen one-man show on Netflix where he does the story of his life with yeah. songs, you know? 
And I did think about, well, maybe I could do something like that, you know, where I go on stage and I talk and I play songs or whatever. But uh, that even that is a little bit out of my uh, comfort zone. Um, but uh, it is something, I know Ray Davies did a similar thing with storytellers, you know. But um, So, I mean, I, I would love if any of that happened, if Dear Life makes it to the stage or if s- someone down the road feels like, oh, we, we can do this, you know, Secret Heart, you know, the Ron Sexsmith musical. <laughs> I, I think that would be awesome. You know, I'm just going on this conversation and mm-hmm. and, and having enjoyed the, the Bruce show on Broadway as well, I, I think it would be awesome. Yeah, to, but to have he, a Ron Sexsmith I've really enjoyed it. There's also one now about with Loudon Wainwright that I quite enjoyed. But those guys are also, I think, bigger personalities than me. And, and Bruce, you know, in that in that performance, you know, he's this bits where he feels like he's acting or something, which I don't know if I could pull that off, but I've definitely thought about doing, uh, I mean, since watching that, I even sort of wrote down a list of, you know, how it might go if I did do something like that, but um, yeah, it could be something that I could talk talk with my agent about to see if there's, if if he felt there was any interest for that across the country or something, so um, but yeah, sort of at the stage of my career where I guess things like that could potentially happen. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're in the right place to to start to play with these ideas, which is the the main thing. And I certainly have a lot. Like I walk to town every day, and on the way to town, I have so much in my head. You know, these <laughs> thoughts of things I might want to do and this and that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's so yeah. It's, it, these are great ideas, and maybe some of them will happen. I'd like to dip back into the last ride of, with one more song. I okay. want to play Who We Are Right Now because it's a it's a nice lead into what we're going to talk about in a few seconds. Okay. Uh, it's a beautiful song. Tell us a little bit about this one. Well, every now and then, I mean, I'm always excited about whatever song comes into my head, but every now and then uh, there'll be a song idea that sounds to me like a hit song where like the chorus is really big. But the only problem with me is that I don't really get a lot of radio play. So, so... Sometimes when I get an idea like that, I think I should give this to somebody who actually has hits. And um, originally when I started singing Who We Are Right Now, I, I knew a fellow who was writing with this group, writing for that group One Direction from England. And I thought, oh, maybe maybe they would be interested in doing this song, you know, because I didn't know that I was maybe the right person to sing it. So... And I remember sending him a demo of the song, which was just all it was at that time was a chorus. And I never heard anything back from him. So I ended up finishing the whole thing myself. And I think we even sent it to a couple people to record. And again, nobody seemed to want to want it. So I just kept it for myself. But I just think it's a, got a nice message. And it's, it's sort of about um, forgiving yourself and, and not being so hard on yourself. Because, you know, uh, I think everybody is, you know, there's good in everyone and bad in everyone, and people can look back on their life with about and have regrets about the way they handled certain things, you know. But I think it's all, we're all works in progress, and that was sort of the whole, the whole message, I think, is just to sort of, yeah, move forward and try to do better. Well, you know, it's funny, when I'm looking at the lyrics for that song, I think it should be hanging in the bathroom. And then when you're sitting there <laughs> thinking, you could think about the lyrics. because. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, we played that one every night on our last tour, and, and everyone, you know, people would be singing along. And I never really had, or I don't have very many songs that people 
sort of could do that too. But yeah, but it's, it's still one of those songs that I think, uh, I mean, it wasn't a hit for me, although I think it did get a lot of streams on Spotify. But I still think if the right person did it, it could be a bigger, may have more impact, you know, or maybe it would be a hit for someone else. So anyway, I'm, I am glad, though, that I kept it for myself, and I'm glad that I didn't end up co-writing it with anyone because I think it would have could have gotten really convoluted. <laughs> it's a beautiful song. Let's play that just now. This is Ron Sexsmith with Who We Are Right Now from his great 2017 album, The Last Rider. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall.
words get in the way. That's Ron Sexsmith with Who We Are Right Now from his 2017 album, The Last Rider. Ron Sexsmith's our special guest on Folk Roots Radio today. He'll be appearing at the Roots North Music Festival taking place in downtown Aurelia on April the 26th. That's a Friday evening. It's at the St. Paul Center, and it promises to be a fabulous night of live music featuring not just Ron Sexsmith. There's also going to be the wonderful Ariana Gillis and Rose Cousins, which, quite honestly, uh, blows my mind just to think about those three people playing yeah, on love, the same I, stage. I love Rose. Rose is great. I met Ariana a couple times. She's from my neck of the woods, I think. Yeah, yeah from saying, yeah, that's right, because yeah. she's down in Niagara now. That's a nice lead-in with who we are right now to, to what you're doing. Uh, you've mm. written one book, uh, Dear yeah. Life. You, we've talked about the musical aspect of that. Do you plan to write anything, any, any other books that you're thinking about? Well, I've actually I've been trying to write um, a prequel to Dear Life, but I haven't gone very far. I've got maybe five chapters, but it's been a lot harder than writing Dear Life because with Dear Life, it was so inspired that... I was just, I was writing every day, you know, and I was, uh, and I, I wanted to see how the story ended, you know, because it was one of those, it felt like I was more like following it than leading it. And, and as I was waiting for Dear Life to come out, I started realizing there were, there were all these unanswered questions in the book, at least for me, about diff- different characters. And so I started, it all started coming into my head, these ideas. And so, yeah, so I, I have been chipping away at it. Uh, even whether or not uh, you know there'd be any interest for it, I don't know. But that's the hard part is if when you write a prequel, how much of dear life has to be in, like you know? Do, do you have to assume that people will have already read that book, or, or you know, it's 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 a sort of a, it's, I'm finding it hard to figure out how to sort of fr- frame it and uh, you know. But anyway, if I if I get a few months to myself uh, somewhere. I hope to, you know, get a little further with it, and maybe it'll come out someday. Oh, I think it's very exciting, I have to say. And, you know, yeah. and, and just, I mean, you know, so much enjoying just talking about your songwriting and everything. And, you know, one of the reasons I do my radio show is I really get off talking to creative people about what they do. And uh, right. you're yeah. certainly one of the most creative people I've had the privilege to, to chat to. So. So that is that is absolutely wonderful. You mentioned the new album. I noticed it. You know, it's two years since the last rider, which that was, I think, two years after Carousel One, two yeah. years after Long Player, Late Bloomer. Tell us a right. little bit about the songs you're working on now. Well, they're very um, Stratford centric. You know, it's kind of dealing with my the new life. You know, here, and they were very. Um, I wrote. I was writing all these songs at the exact same time as I was writing the musical. I was just like in a total writing frenzy, um, and they're all written on the piano. And um, but they're very melodic songs, and they're they're very. I think kind of, you know, it's just. I think it's for people who are fans of mine. It's kind of the stuff they're going to want to hear. I think you know, it's very. Yeah, it's kind of everything that I'm supposed to be good at. I think is is in these songs. So. And it, it almost feels like a concept album in a way, although I didn't really plan for it. But it's, but they definitely, the songs definitely fit together, and they have sort of a narrative, and it has a romantic uh, vibe to it. Um, mostly kind of up tempo songs, but just, 
just sort of upbeat, even just from a lyrical standpoint, you know. Um, so I'm pretty excited about it. I've just been listening to rough mixes, and I think it's going to be great. Um, it's, with any luck, it'll be finished this summer and then out by the spring. Oh, that's know? great. Well, that's certainly something to look forward to. Will you be recording that in Canada again, or are you? I know you went to LA for Carousel One. Yeah, well, this one, uh, yeah, it's all been done here in Canada. Just like The Last Rider was, too, was all done at the uh, Tragically Hip Studio. But this record was done, actually, we turned my house into a recording studio and did all the bed tracks here. The rest of it's been recorded in, in Toronto. And on tour, will you be out on tour again throughout this year? Um, so far, the only gigs I have are these these three coming up in the end of April. Um I really don't know what else is is, is up uh, next year, though. I, I hope with a new record, there'll be some offers, and we'll do a tour. Hopefully, we'll get back to Europe and um, you know Japan and all those places. So, because it'll be my first tour since you know 2017. Um, so you know, and they can't miss you if you don't go away, right? So right, sort right. of like. It's nice to take some time off away from it. So it's, yeah. for me, it's just logistics. If I can afford the tour, which becomes increasingly harder, uh, especially with my band, which I love to do, um, then I, I definitely want to tour the next record as much as possible because it's just that's sort of the fun part, you know. After you've put in all the work, and you know that's sort of the fun part where you're like the, you know, you're coming in on the wagon with all the vegetables or something like <laughs> the harvest or something you know that's when you celebrate and uh and i really i really hope that the album is received well and and we can just do it again you know because that's kind of you know that's the addictive part no it's great well I, i'm really pleased to hear how much you actually love getting out the on the road with the band and i know you've been with some of these people uh a long long time yeah, well, it's, we're just friends, and there's, there's nobody, nobody's a jerk or anything. You know, we just, we, we all get along really well. And I love the feeling when everything's all set up on stage, and then we're backstage drinking, and then, and then we get to go out and play. And everything, you know, the only part I don't enjoy, are the, I'm not a big fan of flying, but mo- mostly we travel by land, so, um, uh, and that's pretty easy. And we've always had a very small operation it's just my band and i and one other person so we're all setting up we don't have a crew or anything it just feels very much like a mom and pop operation and uh but even that is expensive you know so it's just whether we'll just have to see what kind of offers i get and what's doable well it's been great to talk to you today if you want to learn more about ron sexsmith follow him on twitter that's the way mm-hmm. because you're definitely going to get your daily ron if you do that <laughs> Uh, but you could also check him out on the website, which is ronsexsmith.com. Uh, any other information you want to share before we go to the final song? No, I'm just really looking forward to getting back on the st- on stage again. And I haven't played it Aurelia in quite some time, so I'm looking forward to it. Do you, what's the final song? The final song is going to be Love Shines, which oh, was right, okay. the title of the documentary. It's one of my favorites uh, because right. it is truly so upbeat. I wanted to get something that really would inspire people if they haven't decided to make the commitment to, to head yeah. to Aurelia to go and do it. So I thought that was a rather fine way to do it. Nice. And that was probably my most successful album, that one there, the Not Long, long Player. So um, 
So those songs always seem to go over quite well for some reason. So. Well, it's been great to talk to you today. This is Ron Sexsmith with Love Shines from his 2011 album, Long Player, Late Bloomer. And you're listening to Folk Roots Radio. And I'm Jan Hall. And thanks again, Ron. It was a fabulous conversation. All right, Jan. Thanks. I'll see you soon. Bye now. Yeah.